0: Revelations 3, verse 1. Revelations 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We're very grateful for your presence We're always thankful to have visitors with us, and we want you to know that we count you as an honored guest. We encourage you to come back at every opportunity that you have. We do want to be mindful of our gospel meeting that is upcoming in two weeks with Jeff Wilder. We want to encourage as many people as humanly possible to come and be a part of our meeting. We have a great day, a great week planned, and we hope that you will be planning to make that a very special part of your week and we want to be praying for Brother Jeff Wilder as he begins working on lessons to present to us. We pray for a safe travel on his behalf and we look forward to just a great week. We're going to be looking today at Revelation chapter 3, the passage that Kenton read just a moment ago. We're going to be asking the question, are you dead Or alive? How would you rate your spiritual life in Christ Jesus? If someone were to ask you point blank, where are you spiritually speaking, what would you say? Would you say that you're alive and well? Sometimes we sing the song, It is well with my soul. Is it truly well with your soul? But then, on the other hand, would you say that from a spiritual vantage point that you're dead? In other words, your life in Christ is not what it should be. That from the standpoint of having a living, active relationship with the Lord, it's just not there. Or maybe there's a third possibility. Maybe you're not alive as you should be. Maybe you're not completely dead, but you're on life support. And the idea is that you're just barely hanging on, you're on very thin ice. So, where are you today, spiritually speaking? Are you alive? are you dead are you on life support as we look at what the Lord has to say about the church at Sardis we find the Lord peering into seven different congregations and literally examining the hearts and lives of those who comprised these distinct churches and in each and every instance he sums up their spiritual condition. Five of the churches that Jesus analyzed had some major flaws, major problems. Some had both good and bad. One congregation had nothing good. And then there were two that had nothing bad said about them. But we look at the church at Sardis. Here's a congregation where there were people who were alive. On the other hand, there were some who were dead, and then there may have been some who were on life support. First of all, I want us to think about the reputation. As we talk about their reputation, we're really focusing in on the appearance of That is, what others thought about them. It may have been the case that maybe they too had this same idea. Maybe if you had asked them, what is your spiritual state? They would have said, all is well. And so look at verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name That you are alive. Now you need to understand that Jesus knows all. In chapter 2 at verse 23 he said he is the one who searches the minds and the hearts. Jesus knows all and he sees all. The wise man in Proverbs chapter 15 spoke of the Lord. He said the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Nothing escapes his attention." And so when the Lord analyzes this church, He sees sees individuals who give the appearance that they're alive and well. I think about the people of whom the Lord spoke in Matthew chapter 23 at verse 28. He said that outwardly they appear righteous before men. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 5, the Apostle Paul talks about those who have a form of godliness. And then when Paul wrote to Titus in Titus chapter 1 at verse 16, he speaks of those who profess to know God. Here are individuals that from one vantage point you would think all was well. You would think that these people were vibrant saints But they had everything going their way, spiritually speaking. But sometimes, what you and I see is not always the case. And that was certainly the case in regard to the people at Sardis. Now bear in mind, there were some who were faithful. There were some whose faith had not been tarnished Spiritually speaking, and so in verse 5, he said, You have a few names that have not defiled their garments. That is, they were trying to live a faithful, productive life in Christ Jesus. And he said, They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. But what about the assessment of our Lord? Listen again to what Jesus said. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive. But now listen to him but you are dead. Don't you know that that struck a chord in the hearts of those who were living in Sardis? Here were people that had the reputation that all was well. I mean, they had the reputation on the street that they were alive, that they were productive and faithful members of the body of Christ. But Jesus said, I want you to know something. I want you to know that though your reputation is such that people are saying you're alive and well, you're dead. That should have gotten their attention. Here were people that should have been cut to the heart by what Jesus said. Did you know that sometimes we may think all is well, when indeed it is not. These people had the appearance of being faithful saints. But the Lord said, spiritually speaking, He said, you're dead. And so, listen again to what Jesus said concerning the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew Chapter 23 at verse 28. He said, outwardly you appear righteous before men. That's what people see. That's what people think about you. But he said, inwardly you are full of uncleanness or iniquity. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 5, Paul talks about those who have a form of godliness. He said, but you deny its power. And then in Titus chapter 1 at verse 16, he speaks of those who profess to know God. He said, but in works they deny Him, being disobedient and disqualified for every good work. In other words, you may think you're alive and well. Other people may see you and they may sum up your spiritual condition as saying, look, here is a faithful child of God. But what the Bible is saying is concerning these people, All is not well. Outwardly, you appear one way, but inwardly, it's far different. And so we think about the reputation of these people. Now, what's the recommendation? What is the divine admonition set forth by the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, look, if you would, at verse 3. In verse 3, the first thing that the saints in Sardis are called upon to do is to renew. That is, to be watchful, to strengthen the things which remain. The Lord said, that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Let me just very quickly make this observation. Sometimes we can be scripturally sound. In other words, we may have all the right answers. We may know what the Bible teaches. The problem is not in our doctrine. The problem has to do with our deeds. You see, our doctrine and our deeds are incompatible. They do not harmonize. It may be the case that, like the people in Sardis, maybe we're only giving a half-hearted effort in our service to Almighty God. I think about the saints in Ephesus. You want to talk about people that stood for the truth of God. These people, the saints in Ephesus, they they were scripturally sound. They were people of the book. When Jesus talked about the condition of the people in Ephesus, he said, said, you hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. When it came to defending the truth, they would stand. Furthermore, I believe that the saints in Ephesus, they were working. In other words, they were they were at least giving an effort in the kingdom of God. The problem, however, they had left their first love. Now maybe the saints in Sardis, maybe they were to some degree doing some things on behalf of Christ. But sometimes our motives can be wrong. Maybe we're engaged in activities not for the glorification of God, but as Jesus said, to be seen by men. What are our motives? And then also, are we truly giving our best? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Are you giving your best? If you're not giving your best, then this lesson's for you. So we think about the first admonition has to do with renewal. Jesus is talking about people who were spiritually dead. What then did they need to do? What what would bring about a right relationship with Almighty God? Number one, I think they needed to start studying again. And I think anybody who is dead spiritually, one of the first things you need to do is start studying the Bible again. That is, begin reacquainting yourself with what the Bible teaches Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2 study to show yourself approved unto God spiritual growth comes as a result of study at least that's one of the ways spiritual growth emerges Peter talks about how we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ but studying the Word of God you wanna be more like Jesus you wanna know more about what he desires for your life, then read about Him. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read about what Luke said in Acts chapter 10 of Jesus when Luke said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so, start reading the Bible. Meditate on the truth of God day and night as the psalmist did in Psalm 1-2. And then secondly, When we talk about this renewal that has to take place, I would submit unto you that start offering up supplications. That is, get back into a life of prayer. In other words, you've got to start praying again. Now we're going to talk about what should precede all of this in a moment, and that is repentance. But I'm talking about renewal. What if somebody's on life support? What if somebody is dead spiritually? Well, there's some things that have to take place. First and foremost is repentance, and that's what the Lord said. And then an individual has to start studying, reading the Bible, meditating on the truth of God. A person has to begin praying again on a regular basis. The psalmist talked about how evening, morning and noon he prayed to Almighty God. Paul said pray without ceasing. Our lives need to be characterized by prayer to Jehovah God. Paul said continue steadfastly in prayer watching therein with thanksgiving in Colossians 4 at verse 2. And then also... Get back in service to Almighty God. And by that, I mean get to work. Let me ask this question. Are you engaged or disengaged in the work of Almighty God? If Jesus were to assess your spiritual life today, would He say that you're fully engaged or that you are disengaged? Are are you giving Him your best? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Or would Jesus say to you, why do you stand here idle all day? In Matthew 20 at verse 6. What are you doing for the cause of Christ? What are you doing for this congregation? What are you doing to help promote the cause of Christ in this community? What are you doing evangelistically? Are you talking to others about Christ? Are you trying to share the good news of the gospel with other people? Are you involved in the work of edification, the building up, the encouragement of fellow members of the body of Christ? Are you involved in acts of benevolence? Are you engaged or disengaged from the work of God? I think sometimes individuals have the idea that just because they feel a pew that they're engaged in the work of God. There's a lot more to Christianity than just coming to worship and Bible study. It's important, absolutely. We need to be here. We should be here. We must be here. But read Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus goes beyond the boundaries of just coming to worship. He talks about people who were out ministering to others. So what about you? What are you doing for the cause of Christ? Are you an encouragement to the work or a discouragement? Are you trying to build up the body of Christ or are you trying to break it down? So, sometimes people need to get back in service. And then... Also, I would suggest that there are some people who need to get back in the services of the church. I can think of a lot of reasons why people need to be present every first day of the week, Sunday evening, Wednesday night. I can think of a lot of productive reasons. It will help you. It will benefit you. It will bless you. It will encourage you. But I can't think of one single solitary reason why somebody shouldn't be here. I can't think of one. I can think of a lot of reasons why people should be here. And I know that there are times when people are not here. Maybe they're in the shopping mall instead of being here on Wednesday night at Bible study. Maybe they're at a sporting event instead of being here for Bible study or worship. Maybe they're fishing or maybe they're playing golf or whatever. Maybe they're sitting home watching television. Whatever the case may be. Well, if you're spiritually dead or if you're on life support, I would suggest you need to renew. But then also listen to what Jesus said in verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you received and heard. Hold fast. Do you remember the day of your salvation in Christ Jesus? In other words, do you remember the day that you said, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm willing to lay aside every sin in my life. I'm going to make the good confession before others. I'm going to be baptized into Jesus Christ, and I'm going to live for Him until death. you remember that day? Do you remember your wedding day? The Bible talks about when we became Christians, we became married to Christ. Romans 7, verse 4. You're married to Christ. Do you remember that day? Do you remember the day that you entered into a covenant relationship with the Lord? It was a great day, wasn't it? I remember the day I was baptized into Christ. And I think about the peace the comfort, the joy. You and I, we ought to think about that from time to time. When people are dead spiritually, what they need to do is go back and reflect upon, remember the day they said, I do to Christ. We sing the song, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Do you remember the day you surrendered all to Jesus? When you said in the long ago... I'm going to live for him, come what may. You remember that day? That's what, that's what Jesus is saying to these people. Remember that day. Remember the day that you said you were going to walk by my side. Do you remember that day? Do you remember when you left the baptistry, how good you felt? Do you remember how you said you were going to be consecrated to the Lord? You were going to give him your very best day in, day out. You were going to be engaged in the work of the church. You were going to do whatever you could to lead others to Christ. You remember that day? Jesus is saying, remember. But then listen to what he says. Remember, therefore, how you heard or how you received and heard. Hold fast, now listen to him, and repent. You see, repentance is a part of this equation. Repentance ultimately has to take place. Now we talk about people who are dead spiritually. What do they need to do? They need to repent. This is a sobering charge. You think about the Lord Jesus saying to these people in the first century, people who were wearing his name, you need to repent. If the Lord Jesus Christ were to analyze your life, if He he were to stand face-to-face, toe-to-toe with you, would He say to you, you need to repent? Is that what He would say to you? Would He say that because, spiritually speaking, you are dead? Would He say that to you because, spiritually speaking, you are on life support? You ever known anybody on life support? Many years ago when I was preaching for a little church in Nashville, Tennessee, there was a teenage girl that had gone out with her boyfriend. And for whatever reason, they had gotten their hands on a gun. And she and her boyfriend were playing with this gun, for lack of a better way to say it. The gun discharged. A bullet hit her in the temple of her head. And so Nancy and I, Nancy taught the class for the girls in the congregation. And so she and I went to the hospital. And because that bullet had penetrated the temple of her head, one side of her body was paralyzed. She couldn't speak. But she knew sign language and she could communicate that way and she could write. And I remember Nancy and I leaving the hospital and we were talking about her condition and we were talking about how lucky she was to be alive and how thankfully she was going to to get well. Little did we know that that bullet had clipped a major artery behind one of her eyes. In clipping that artery it it created major problems. That artery began to swell, if I recall correctly, putting extreme pressure on her brain. Her brain literally began to ooze out of her nose. On a Monday or Tuesday evening, Nancy and I went to the hospital. And the doctor came out and talked to us along with her family members. And here's what that doctor said. He said, she is brain dead. Clinically, she is brain dead. He said, when those brain cells die, they do not regenerate. For all intents and purposes, he said, she's, she's dead. She is, she is being kept alive by life support. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in, and I'm going to turn the machine off. He said, that way you don't have to make the decision. I'm going to do it. I'm going to turn the machine off, and she'll die. And that's what he did. And within 10 to 15 minutes, she died. 18 or 19 years old, in eternity. But she was on life support. And my point is, if you're on life support, you're close to death. Now, when you think about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, saying what you need to do is repent, that is a sobering charge. But here's what you need to see from the positive standpoint. It is a saving charge. Jesus said repent. Why did he say repent? Because he loved them. Because if they would repent, if they would turn to him, then ultimately he would not put their candlestick out. This church was on the verge of going the way of all the earth. We might ask the question today, where is the church at Sardis? For that matter, where is the church at Ephesus or the church at Laodicea? These people were dead. Some were on life support. And what they needed to do was repent because it was a sobering charge. Yes, when people are told to repent, do they like it all the time? No. But there's a silver lining because it is a saving charge. And Jesus said in verse 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot his name from the book of life. The inference is our names can be blotted out of the book of life. But Jesus is saying, if you'll do what's right, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. Is your name in the book of life? If you're alive and well, your name is there. Your name is recorded in heaven's registry. But if, you're, if you are spiritually dead or on life support, you need to think again. And here's what you need to do. You need to repent. That's what the Bible says. Here's what you need to see. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus concludes by saying to each church, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are you listening? Are you listening to what Jesus is saying? This letter is 2,000 years old, but it is as new as if it were penned today because it's relative, it's applicable. Maybe you're here, you're not a Christian. What do you need to do? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, verse 24. If you die in your sins where He is, you can't go. That's what Jesus said in John 8. Then you need to repent, to turn from sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess His name before others. That is, confess that you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, Matthew 16, at verse 16. And then be immersed in water for the remission of your sins so that your sins would be washed away, Acts 22, verse 16. And then be faithful, Revelation 2, at verse 10. If you're here today, maybe you're not what you should be as a child of God. Maybe your life is not what it should be. Maybe you don't measure up to what the divine standard says you should. Well, the beauty is you can make a change right now, today. The Bible says confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Could we pray with you and for you? You could leave here redeemed, basking in all the spiritual blessings that you once enjoyed. Would you come as we stand and sing?